You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, this is Tim Rice. Welcome to episode 43 of my podcast, Get Onto My Cloud. Splendid American rhythm section and recording stars Booker T and the MGs with one of their many hits, Soul Limbo, which in the UK will forever be associated with my favorite sport. Once it had been chosen as the theme tune for the BBC's television cricket coverage and later for BBC radio commentaries. Whether or not Booker T and his chums based in Memphis, Tennessee have ever seen a cricket match, I know not, but they are inextricably linked with the game in the minds of all English followers. I've often been asked why I haven't written a musical about cricket. My answer is twofold. A, no fictitious tale about cricket could ever match the drama of a great real-life game. And B, actually I have written one, well, a mini-musical anyway. And possibly C, it would have no appeal in America, although the baseball musical Damn Yankees Richard Adler and Jerry Ross's 1956 follow-up to their big 1955 hit Pajama Game, Damn Yankees was a success in London when it moved to the West End in 1957. Damn Yankees included the big hit Heart, You Gotta Have Heart, and was revived on Broadway in 1994 and in the West End in 1997. Jerry Lewis, no less, played the role of Mr. Applegate, the devil disguised as a slick salesman, in both New York and London revivals. So maybe a musical about cricket could succeed on Broadway. But perhaps not the one I wrote with Andrew Lloyd Webber, if only because it's only 30 minutes long. In 1986, Andrew Lloyd Webber was asked by one of his employees, Prince Edward, if he would write a piece, preferably light-hearted, for the Queen's 60th birthday, to be performed privately for her and the royal family at Windsor Castle. Andrew generously asked me to come on board and we decided to attempt an oratorio that might be of particular interest to Her Majesty, who is well known for her love of racing. My knowledge of horse racing, indeed of horses, is not extensive, but my knowledge of cricket is. So I worked on a storyline that could combine racing with cricket that might hold the royal family's interest. 
The result was a work that we simply called Cricket, with the subtitle Hearts and Wickets, a 30-minute musical that's only ever been performed three times. The first occasion was in a private drawing room at Windsor Castle on the 18th of June, 1986. The second at Andrew's house a few weeks later, and the third and final time at a cricketing charity ball. It's unlikely to be performed again as quite a few of the tunes have found their way into subsequent Lloyd Webber extravaganzas, which I hope will remind my listeners that it's easier to recycle tunes than words. I don't blame composers one little bit for seizing the opportunity to give a good tune that's languished in a minor or unsuccessful show a second chance in a bigger production, obviously with new words to fit the new plot. But we poor wordsmen have to start again every time, abandoning our brilliant creations. So, while the score of cricket has been understandably plundered, the lyrics still exist as a whole. I was unable to use them in Lion King or Beauty and the Beast. The show is centred around a dilemma that many a cricketer, indeed many a sportsman, has had to face in real life. Which is more important, his team or his love life? When faced with choosing one or the other, which is it to be? The musical begins on a hot, bright afternoon in June within the borders of the Earl of Headingley's beautiful country seat. A cricket match is in progress, and the visitors have been dismissed for 89. The Earl's team have just started their reply and are 23 for the loss of one wicket. Next man in is our hero, Donald Hobbs. A chorus of cricketers sing the opening number, The Summer Game. Another golden afternoon, an idyllic sporting scene, a tapestry in green, willow heroes. And in pavilioned splendour nationwide, the game and its laws bestride the best of England. Bat on ball, the manly thwack of blade on leather. Players all so worthy of the crowd's acclaim. And although protected in their regions never, batsmen know the dangers of the summer game. Now this song has actually been recorded by Cantabile on their 2011 album Songs of Cricket, which features a wonderful variety of numbers relating to the great game. Here is the summer game sung by Cantabile. Danger. 
much to do. We're 23 for two, needing 90. And watching bravely from the boundary ropes, the sweet English rose whose hopes stride out there with him now. The test of character and Cantabile, also known simultaneously as the London Quartet, mainly when they travel abroad on their many overseas tours. We had intended to make a recording of the entire work, Cricket, but after laying down some backing tracks and even a few vocals, the project was abandoned as other scores, other shows, needed some of the melodies more. This was a pity, if only because the cast we assembled for the royal premiere was top quality. The late Ian Charlson, whom Andrew and I had first encountered when he was a humble brother in the first ever professional production of Joseph, directed by Frank Dunlop, played the hero Donald Hobbs. Sarah Payne sang Emma Kirkstall Lane, his girlfriend. John Savident played Emma's father, the Earl of Headingley. The great rock singer Alvin Stardust was Vincent St. Ledger, a cad of the first water, a member of the racing fraternity and a reckless gambler. George Harris? who was the original Caiaphas in the London production of Jesus Christ Superstar, played Winston B. Packer, a lethal West Indian fast bowler. And the magnificent vocal quartet you've just listened to, Cantabile, with whom I've worked on so many occasions since our first liaison when they were monks in my musical with Stephen Oliver, Blondel, back in 1983. Cantabile were the ever-present chorus of cricketers and spectators. Finally, in the private performance for Her Majesty, H.R.H. Prince Edward, took the cameo role of Wittering, a gallant batsman who sacrifices everything for the Earl of Headingley's cricket side. Back to the gripping story. A wicket falls, and Donald walks out to the middle, knowing the hopes of his side rest upon his manly shoulders. He is also desperate to impress the Earl, for he is engaged to his daughter, Emma Kirkstall Lane. As the Earl puts it, I'm very worried about my daughter. She's not giving Donald the support he needs. No ball. This is a vital match for Headingley CC. We need all the runs we can get from my future son-in-law. But Emma is not a happy bunny, 
Her fair countenance is clouded as Donald walks out to play his crucial innings. She sings a sweet aria on the boundary ropes, near deep extra cover, as the seasons slip fruitlessly by. My Donald's at the wicket, thinking only of his side. And though my gentle bosom fills with longing and with pride, and I applaud his stroke play and commend his cover drive, I wonder between overs if our passion can survive, for love seems less important to my lover than his scores from April through September, and for longer if he tours. When I see other couples sharing everything they do and never spending weekends in a gang of twenty-two, I wonder, am I doomed to live my life at Deep Fine Lake? Should I dissolve our partnership since I'm too proud to beg? I ask myself which way to turn and Echo answers which. I do not feel it's sharing when I'm marking out the pitch. As the seasons slip fruitlessly by, he ignores my true requirement. Is it my fate to sit hopelessly by in the shade till his retirement? Emma has been unaware of the nearby presence of a racing man, Vincent St. Ledger. The cad has overheard every word and seizes his chance as he sings The Sport of Kings. My dear, I could not help but overhear your heartfelt beef. To solve your grim dilemma, take the bit between your teeth. If cricket cannot satisfy you, turn to higher things. May I suggest you switch allegiance to the sport of kings? You can't compare a cricketer for breeding with a horse. Shake off your inhibitions and come with me to the course. My box awaits. Champagne's on ice. The limousine is booked. I'll give you six to four that you'll be well and truly hooked. And Emma is tempted. Perhaps you're right. I need to break free. I've always felt that those who could, should. Perhaps my heart should fly and take me to Aintree, Epsom, or to Goodwood. Emma tears up her cricket scorecard and takes Vincent's hand. They run off together. Meanwhile, back at the game, Winston B. Packer, the visitor's lethally fast West Indian bowler, prepares to bowl. He states his aim in his aria, The Art of Bowling. The art of bowling is very subtle. For those who doubt it, here's a rebuttal. You can't just chuck them, you have to aim them. You need a brain if you want to maim them. All I have is a tiny sphere to establish my point of view. They are armed with the latest gear. It's so hard to get my message through. Cries of anguish are heard as Winston fells a succession of the Earl's players. Only Donald keeps the threat at bay as the wickets tumble. It is now 23 for 4. Just as he prepares for a final showdown with Winston, he notices Emma leaving with Vincent. He is torn. And this is the central thrust of the opera's message. All I Ask of Life, a dramatic ballad sung by our hero at the wicket. Emma, with that racing person. Since flannels first were worn, has any batsman borne the strain of losing his intended while facing vicious pace? Would Bradman, Hobbs or Grace have left the matter unattended, I must get out. But Donald suddenly remembers his duty to his side. I must stay in. My choice is Hobson's now. Do I stay in allow the one I love to desert me? But when I see the score, we still need 34. I can't let selfishness divert me. I must play on. I have a dream. I have a team. All I ask of life, all life asks of me, is to play my part. Let them hurl their worst my way. None can break my wicket, nor my heart. A particularly vicious ball from Winston fells Donald. 
As he lies on the ground, visions of his lost love intermingle with the scoreboard. But Donald is made of stern stuff, and he staggers to his feet. As he prepares to face yet more fast bowling, he proudly repeats, singing, supported by his teammates, Let them hurl their worst my way. None can break my wicket, nor my heart. And with that, Donald strikes a ball perfectly, via an immaculate cover drive. Then the tea interval. Were this a full-length show, this would be the interval with the story at a crucial and suspenseful stage. But after only 15 minutes, even the most optimistic theatre owner would feel that his audience needed a little more than a quarter of an hour to work up a thirst and enthusiasm for the bar. So straight on with the show. The score is now 80 for 9, only 10 needed. Emma has returned to the ground full of remorse. She has seen through the cad St. Ledger, but only after losing not only her own savings, but much of her father's, as a result of reckless betting. Afraid to face Donald, who after all still has his pads and box on, she sings a bittersweet refrain, Fools Like Me. Vincent deceived me. Racing has been my ruin. How could anyone possibly enjoy it? I've won nothing and lost everything. Who could take pity on fools like me? Who'd give the time of day to someone who threw herself into a mad affair? She rushed right in. She just didn't care. Neither, alas, did he. The final phase of the game begins. Donald catches Emma's eye, but coldly ignores her. Vincent is loitering sheepishly nearby. The Earl storms up to address the bounder. Not only is the family name now tarnished in this shire, my daughter's reckless gambling debts have dropped me in the mire, which means that on bank holidays and every fourth weekend I'll have to let the public in. How low can we descend? And as for you, you reprobate, you've had your wicked way. I trust that you enjoyed it, sir, for now you'll have to pay. As steward of the jockey club, I hereby warn you off. All courses, flat or steeplechase, you'll have to take up golf. The Earl, in his role as steward of the jockey club, has banned Vincent St. Ledger from racing for life. Vincent is distraught and pours out his woes to Emma. You never said your father was such an important force in racing. Without the turf, my life isn't much. Can you conceive the angst I'm facing? But Emma replies, you never said my horse wouldn't win. I put my faith in your selection. It came in tenth. How can I begin to win back Papa's affection? A howl of pain from the wicket interrupts the conversation. Wittering, the Earl's gallant last man has been hit. Probably fatally. Wittering, the role that was created in the world premiere by Prince Edward, is carried to the pavilion on a stretcher. All gather round him anxiously. His final words are simply, I'm sorry I let you down. Think only this of me. The Earl is baffled and fails to recognise Wittering's reference to Rupert Brooke. Think what, Wittering? But Wittering is still. His arms are folded for him, his cap placed over his face, and his bat rested on his chest. The Earl speaks. Good man, Wittering. We won't forget you. But we still need ten to win, and now there is no man remaining who can take Wittering's place alongside Donald. This is a black day for Headingley C.C., and for the Headingley family. As the music soars in a reprise of the opening aria, the summer game, who should step forward but the utter bounder, the heartless Lothario, Vincent St. Ledger? He straps on a pad, then another. He refuses to don a box. 
the cricketers watch in amazement and then admiration as he walks out to the middle. To think that we dismissed him as a parasite and cad, when now it's plain to see that St. Ledger's not all bad, but all the same he faces an unenviable task. To stay out there with Donald is an awful lot to ask. But Vincent hangs on gallantly in support of Donald, and the crowd continue. He's soaking up the punishment. There goes another tooth. He seems to thrive on pain. A fine example to our youth reminds us of the final test of 1935 when, um, what's his name, and someone else did wonders to survive. Look, Donald's rushing down the pitch. That's right, come on, my son. A perfect stroke, a massive blow. It's six at least. We've won. There is wild excitement and cheers as Donald and Vincent come into a hero's welcome. Suddenly, thanks to cricket, every character has seen the light and the recent folly of their ways. The Earl withdraws his lifetime ban on Vincent. Donald resolves to play less on Sundays and spend more time with his fiancée. Winston B. Packer resolves to try slow bowling. And even Wittering, presumed deceased, sits up and announces that he's feeling better. Donald and Emma sing a final aria entitled One Hot Afternoon. The only thing I'm sure of is nothing's ever certain. You think you know the score but know you're learning. And the moment that life seems easy, then some no good moves the sight screen. The very ground starts turning. If lazy games of summer were all that really mattered, I'd chase that ball until they all stopped cheering. But as I've just discovered, the running gets you nowhere. A lot can change in one hot afternoon. Finally, the lovers and the entire company sing the final chorus. All I ask of life is to play my part. Let them hurl their worst my way. None can break my wicket, nor my heart. So ended my one attempt at combining cricket and musical theatre. The vicissitudes of cricket as a metaphor for the complications of life. Perhaps not a wildly original thesis, but one that many can identify with. The show was well received by its initial audience, and the company, directed by Trevor Nunn, rose to the occasion superbly. Their talents and performances not overawed by the venue and the audience at that wonderful private occasion. We all became extremely relaxed, with hundreds of others, at the magnificent party in honour of Her Majesty's 60th that followed later that evening. Maybe one day we shall record cricket, hearts and wickets, for the tunes were fabulous and the words were inspired by them and written to suit them. Of course, you can hear the tunes next time you see Sunset Boulevard or Aspects of Love, but I do feel it would be nice to make, even if only privately a permanent record of an unusual, and if I may be immodest, an intriguing and amusing piece with ALW on top form. To finish this cricketing episode, an uncompleted demo sung by the late Alvin Stardust as Vincent St. Ledger, The Sport of Kings, in which the cad attempts to convince Emma to ditch her fiancé and cricket for him and racing. It's not perfect quality for which I apologise, but it's an interesting bootleg. Take it away, Alvin. My dear, I could not help but overhear your heart still beat. To solve your grim dilemma, take the bit between your teeth. If cricket cannot satisfy you, turn to higher fiends. May I suggest you switch allegiance to the sport of kings? My glamour world of racing offers all you've missed today. Sophistication, pounding oomph, and bills part to dissipate. From Epsom to Dysoxida, from Cheltenham to A. The frills and spills of legion in a stable atmosphere. This rather dreary setting won't improve when you're a wife. 
so throw away your whistles. Open up the sporting life, the sport of kings. Compare a cricket up a breeding with an all. Cast off your inhibitions. Come with me to the court. My box the weight, champagnes and ice, the limousine is full. I'll give you six to four, but you'll be well and truly off. The sport of king. Won't improve when you're a wife So throw away your wisdom Open up the sport in life The sport of kings That was Get On To My Cloud, episode 43 The Tim Rice Podcast Written and presented by me, Tim Rice And produced by Peter Holtz with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.